Go Loud. Podcasts, radio and music to your ears. Honestly, I know it's kind of embarrassing to say it to you in person, but I've really not met anybody who's just naturally funny all the time. One of the funniest times that I ever spent with you is off stage, when you're not on stage. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you're even funnier off stage. That so, one time at boot camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Around the world. Around the world. In 80 gays. In 80 gays. Around the world. Around the world. In 80 gays. In 80 gays. Heroes of our bygone days who fought for freedom and equality. Icons anthems coming out, pronouns drag queen struggles, life and love. Around the world, around the world, in eighty gays, in eighty gays, around the world, around the world, in eighty gays, in eighty gays. Welcome to Around the World in 80 Gays, a podcast hosted by me, Catherine Lynch. And me, Brian Kennedy. Now, each week we talk about gay culture, gay inspirations and gay icons. And Brian name drops every celebrity he's ever met. This is Around the World in 80 Gays. Hey! Now, Brian, as much as we have loved all our guests on this show, and we do do be loving them, don't we? Oh, we do. (laughs) There are two golden unicorns here in the studio that are shining bright. They are so gay. The rainbows bursting (laughs) through. the windows, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we love them above all else, don't we? We absolutely do. Now he, me, hails from the Falls Road <laughs> in Belfast, blessed with a natural talent, it says here, that would see him perform all over the world. He's also an incredible singer and has shared the stage with Stevie Wonder, true, <laughs> Boy <with> George, <laughs> Joni Mitchell and Van Morrison, to name but a few. Now she, she, she is one of the most beautiful <laughs> and talented women in Ireland. Who wrote this script? She, I don't know. She <laughs> Is a multi, oh my God, hyphenated, <laughs> wondrous writer, comedian. She's a poet and owner of the most leopard print in Europe. Well, now that is so true. How did Definitely. you know that? You lived with that. me. <laughs> she has sold out shows in Vicar Street. How many nights, Catherine? 19 oh, in all seriousness. 19, 20, whatever. Yeah, something. And around the world with her comic creations. Quite simply, she is incredible. Oh, wow. Now, it could go on. <laughs> Let me jump in here, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary friends, of course. Our guests this week are himself and your one. Welcome to the podcast. Us. Us. <laughs> now, as we mentioned, we love talking to new people each week. That's true. But we also love ourselves, and we thought it might be nice just for you guys to get to know our story a bit and... You know, for us to ask each other questions, yeah. we usually put to our guests. So now we're on the spot, aren't we? We are, but I kind of love it because I'm already uncomfortable, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Great, because I'm going to make it. So, all right. So here's the first question. How did we meet? Do you remember the first time that we hung out? Oh, my God, I'm going to embarrass myself now. The first time we ever hung out was yeah. at, um, it was at the rape crisis uh, lunch in the Clarence. That's right. And I was Beluba's drunk on fizz with a few gays at a table. And uh, one of them being Shirley Temple Bar. That's and right. you were singing. I was. Um, Everybody Hurts. Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., that's right. You and two I... had very kindly given us the, the hotel to, to fundraise for the Rape Crisis Centre. And I was kind of singing away. Sometimes, mostly I have my eyes open when I sing, right? But I was very suddenly distracted by this... <laughs> vision at the other end of the room shouting up to me I want to duet with you Brian Kennedy I know the cheek of me from the balcony and I duetted with you you did and you were great and you were you were so famous at the time and I nobody knew me and uh, they did after that they did after that exactly so afterwards you were signing your albums and you gave me an album and it said we must duet again yeah and you have remained just as corny (laughs) 
No, that's just my toes that are corny. Um, yeah, I'm, I do remember it really clearly. And then the next time I was in Front Lounge with a few friends and you were doing this whole thing about, you know, Michael Jackson's bad, but you were doing, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I was doing Una Naguna and our Tina Tuna. That's and right. she actually has taken way too many drugs. Maybe it's the same thing was happening when I was doing the uh, singer from the balcony. She was singing, dance, dance, wherever you may be. I'm off my head on ecstasy. <laughs> I took two tabs of LSD and to tell you the truth, I'm off me gee. And you were like, I went, oh my God, Brian Kennedy's in it the was audience. But it was just hilarious. <laughs> I hadn't heard comedy really like that before. It was hilarious. And the fact that you were changing the whole kind of Michael Jackson song into something. Oh and yeah, then... that's, I'm tried, I'm tried. <laughs> you know it when I dance across the floor. The judge's father cannon gonna kick your fucking arse. Cause my mother, Sharon Shannon. <laughs> And you loved that. I absolutely. I, I just. I mean, somebody. I, I honestly. I know it's kind of embarrassing to say it to you in person, but I've really not met anybody who's just naturally funny all the time. You're one of the funniest times that I ever spent with you is off stage when you're not on stage. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you're even funnier off stage. That so, one time in boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Catherine and I eventually, you know, ended up, she moved into my house in Kilmainham with me for about nearly four years, would you four say? Four years like of feather boas. And you were just getting famous. You were, it was just the start of Wagon's Den, you know, that whole uh, reincarnation and carnation of Sheila Sheik and all of those characters. And so I have to tell you people listening at home, sometimes I'd be at home, you know, after a gig or something, and then the door would go, in comes Catherine, feather boa, dressed like one of her characters, usually Sheila Sheik. And you would just keep that gear on and we'd have a gin and tonic or a cup of tea or whatever yeah. we were having. Because I couldn't wait for the gin and tonic, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember, it was one of those times when I had all my hair cut off again, which I sometimes do. Yeah. And we were in Temple Bar and it was just before that. And I remember going, oh, there's Catherine. I went, hello, Catherine. I think you thought I was some kind of Polish dude. I did. I went over to you and I said, oh my God, I thought you were some handsome Polish dude <laughs> hitting on me because he'd seen <laughs> Sheila Sheik on the telly and knew that she loved Farden Mickey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> so you said, oh, you had a house, uh, a room free in your house. I did. I, I just had taken, I'd kind of moved around all over the place, but I, I decided I was going to move back in to my main house um, when I turned 50 or thereabouts. So you were kind of in between places as well, weren't you? You were thinking of moving somewhere else too. Oh, I probably had just uh, thrown out another guitar playing loser. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened. I needed a gay shoulder to cry on. That's right, exactly. And, and along I came. Along uh, you came. Two shoulders to cry on. Two and shoulders. so I said to you. And your lap. <laughs> and my lap, indeed. Um, and so there, I remember saying to you, look, I'm moving into this big house. I'm thinking about getting housemates because it was, you know, loads of bedrooms. And, yeah. and then you came. That and I did. the start of it. And um, yeah, we had a great time. And you know what? Like this uh, podcast is uh, around the world in 80 gays. And yeah. I suppose we haven't lived under the gay umbrella such. So I don't know your coming out story. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Well, it, it really, if you think about it, my life started, uh, I was born in 1966 on the Falls Road in West Belfast. Uh, and really in the worst of times in terms of our, our history and the upheaval of that. And as I say, I often say, look, it's hard enough to be heterosexual in those Absolutely. environments when they're really under the, the foot of the Catholic Church. You can't even be heterosexual, never mind any other variation. So I certainly knew I was different very, very early on. But I think one of the things that you must do when you're clever is know when to be stupid. Oh, and, that's and a very so good... You, so you know oh, I need to pretend I don't feel all the things I feel. I, I need to hide all this stuff. Oh. I remember having crushes on other boys at school. I'd say you were the cutest boy. Oh, who knows? God oh knows. my God, I can imagine you with your long curly hair. Curly Did you hair. Have long, her, curly I, do you know hair I was then? quite blonde as a wee kid? No way. I was. I, I was. I must take that. out a photograph. Um, so 
I, I, yes, you're right in the sense that I'm one of six kids, kind of in the middle. As I always say, my mother had, you know, she had a, four boys, one girl and one girly boy. <laughs> and that one would be me. Yeah. And I was kind of in the middle of six, if you can be in the middle yeah, of but six. But you're so not a girly uh, boy. Well, uh, and you I, actually, you kind of push that, against that, don't well, you? Well, do you know what? It, you're right about that. And, and uh, sometimes I have to really question myself about that. Because I think that part of what's going on there is my own, my own homophobia. Yeah, Actually. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Did the North bring that out uh, in Completely people? because, as we were saying, you know, the first thing that people do when you're born is look between your legs, the doctor. God, what have yeah. you got? What have you not got? And suddenly you're a boy or you're a girl. And then suddenly you're on a very stringent path towards whatever boyhood and manhood is Which in is that culture. Which is just becoming bullshit now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And certainly, as I always say, you know, up in the Falls Road, men only ever touched each other in a fight or a funeral. Oh, that was it. Yeah. You know, you, you might have got a hug, possibly, at a funeral. You certainly would have gotten a good few digs. So I, I saw a lot of violence in the house and outside of the house. And so very quickly I copped on, um, whatever I'm feeling, push it down, push it push down. It don't, down. Let yeah, don't let people know. I had serious heartbreaking crushes on other boys at school. Oh. Absolutely I did. I won't name them, of course, but uh, there was one particular lad who got really, I read it, I've written about it before. He was off school for a month. Um, for some reason, you know, yeah. when you see kids at your mates every day in school, he was suddenly off for a month and he was re he'd been knocked down by a car. That's what happened. And he was really, really wow. sick. It was an amazing thing. And I really, really pined for him. I missed him every single day. And then one day I was coming along the street um, with uh, my mother and we saw him. We were going up to the church yeah. and we saw him and there <gasps> he was with his mother and he was better again. I'm getting good. I couldn't help myself. I ran up towards him and kissed him on the mouth. Oh, I was, so, I was about maybe five or six, let's say. Well, my mother went mental. Oh, nice. His mother went mental. And I got a big load of slaps and digs and all the rest of that. What the earth do you think you're doing? Oh, and, and and it was just such a, it's so sad in a way. So is that it, where kind of like, did, did that, I'm, I'm sure that feels like shame to me. when Yeah, you totally. About it. And well, also what you know is you did, you thought you were doing something right, but you did something really wrong. Yeah, so confusing And you got for beaten for it as well. Yeah. So, th so that was the beginning of my learning, you know, the hard lesson of whatever you have to feel about these people deeply, don't. Don't do it. Put it to one side. It was side. so suppressed, wasn't yeah. it? Like, it, I mean, incredibly so. the absolute names However, people were called. people knew. I mean, I got called queer and before people used the word gay. Mm. Fruit was the big one. You were called a fruit. In, Fruity boy in Northern Ireland. That was way too exotic for Leitrim. Well, I'm telling you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You were called that. a manhole merchant. A manhole Le merchant. Was that it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. How old fashioned was that? Oh, look wow. at your man. He's a bit light in the loafers. Yeah, yeah. He's a I, bit of a manhole merchant. A manhole God, they were so merchant. Ignorant. I've never heard that in my life before. I know. Oh, there you go. Wild. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but I suppose you found yourself in music like we all did, I suppose, in the 80s, but you especially needed an icon if you were trying to virtual signal yeah. your sexuality. Uh -huh. And how did you do that? Well, two things happened. I remember, again, at home, because of the Falls Road, we spent a lot of time in the house because it was too dangerous to be outside. And so I remember all week they were, they were trailing this program called The Naked Civil Servant. Oh. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Quentin. Quentin Crisp. Yeah. Who I, as you know... Cue the chandelier dropping, of course. <laughs> As you know, then later on in my later years when I was touring with Van Morrison in chandelier. America, I invited Quentin Crisp to the show because I remember calling up. Uh, there was a, a, a part of the documentary they said to Quentin, Quentin, your number's in the book. You're like, you live in New York and your number's just in the phone book. Aren't you, aren't you worried that, you know, weirdos and people will ring you up? And he goes, I'm worried they won't ring me up. That's what, you know. <laughs> so I remembered this, right? Yeah. And I called up, hello, information, what's the name? Crisp, Quentin. 
she put me right through the phone. Potato factory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just the phone rang and rang. Just when I was about to give up, it clicked and suddenly it was like, hello. Like a kind of creaky door voice, you know. And it was Quentin Crisp. And yeah. I said, listen, Quentin, my name is Brian Kennedy. I'm from Ireland. I'm on tour here. I'm a singer. And I just wondered if you would like to come to the show. He goes, oh, oh. I said, you, and it's hilarious, right? We were on tour with, with Bob Dylan, Van Morrison and Bob Dylan. And I said to him, look, I'm singing with another fellow from Ireland called Van Morrison. He didn't know who Van was oh at all. But he knew who he I know Mr. Dylan. He calls everybody Mr. 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 Dylan. Dylan. And you so, love to be that But he couldn't come confident. to the show at all. And I said to him, look, is there any way we could have like a cup of tea or something? So I met him the next day. Because he was your major fascination He was up. the person that I first saw being gay on the television. Wow. I really? He was the first person? First person, really. I mean, I certainly knew that about Danny. That you related to. That I could yeah. relate to because I felt his... He, Pain or... He gets beaten up on, you know, okay. remember they said yeah. to him, there's a brilliant moment where I said to him, I actually hung out with him later on. And then I also met John Hurt, who played him in the programme. And yeah. I said to John, God, it must have been amazing to play Quentin Crisp. And I, then I said to Quentin, um, what was it like to see John Hurt play you? I know, and I called Madonna and I said, wait till <laughs> you hear her who Brian's after. And she ripped off your pointy bra thing, didn't she? <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And then I suppose that was the the person that you looked to. Um, yeah. I remember watching that movie and being really moved, just crying my heart out for him because... And that it, prompts me to ask you, why, why are, as a straight woman, yeah. why are you so drawn to the gay community? I think because I'm from Leitrim and because I love the underdog. No longer is the gay person the underdog. Yeah. In Ireland, anyway, it is... Uh, uh, well, it, it seems to be trans people thing. now and, 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 yeah. and all of that, unfortunately. But I always... Uh, loved the underdog and I always yeah. ran to even in my classroom I'd run to the person that I saw a little bit of pain in or I'd run and stop the bullies bullying and all that I just liked equality my mother yeah. every time I went uh, home at lunchtime yeah. my mother was on her knees and I was going what are you doing now crying and she goes Mandela is free you know? <laughs> and I went okay what's for, wow. what's for lunch and she goes and then, you know, so she had a great attitude yeah. to life. And I also, can confirm this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I've spent some time with Catherine's mother up in the house. She is a one-off, I'll tell you that. She is a one-off. Yeah. And her sister was gay. Was she? Yes. I never, have I ever told you that? I haven't. Never told me that. Her sister was gay and her sister went into the nuns. And um, she was my wonderful Aunt Breda. Mm. And she is a great example of the carnage that is caused by not being able to be yourself so do you think, remember we were saying recently that we, I thought uh, that the priesthood was a closet for gay men. Yeah. Do you think the nuns are a closet well, for gay I, women? Well, it's somewhere for them to go so that they can actually figure themselves out. Now, she went in and then she left and she became a teacher. She got married. She had three children. Yeah. So her carnage is wonderful carnage. But, um, you but know, did she stay? Like, did she no, go she, back to being a lesbian? She actually um, started going out with a girl and um, unfortunately she had an accident and um, she passed away. Oh, but um, And we only bad. found out at the funeral oh. I was the only one that she had said anything to so we arrived wow. at the funeral she was in hospital for a while but we arrived at the funeral and there was all her gay friends and then her her marriage friends and all that but she had separated with her husband so there was nothing wrong had, had happened to her yeah, like yeah. but it was just so bizarre to see her I two worlds I how common that is in, in our society where there was always one like I had same thing I had a, a you know a relative whose husband was famously effeminate like yeah. you know and was but absolutely in love with his wife they never had any children their house was like the talk of the town it was so beautiful and well kept well that was a real giveaway uh, loads of clues exactly <laughs> and and he was, and I got to know him quite well he was a lovely singer too yeah. but clearly he was a gay man but not, not able to be 
Well, if he wasn't, then that's another kind of, I suppose, a pronoun. If you don't want to be, you don't want to be. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, look at, I have my favourite uh, singer in front of me. This is like a real love fest, I have to say. <laughs> but, like, I grew up with you in, uh, I started when I came to Dublin in the gay community. I worked in a... What year are we talking about? Um, about 97. Oh, wow. So, basically, I won all the time from Miss Ireland in 98 from a little uh, cafe called Small Talk. Yeah. But we played your music in Small Talk all the time. No it's Better Man. To me. What What year a did that A Better Man. That came out in 96, 97. Yeah, so, so that, it was that perfect. Period. So, it was, yeah. it was really... Uh, it was the it stayed on the album. charts for a whole year. Yeah. So that's why they, you know maybe your it, 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 its lifespan. Yeah. Was around for a whole year. They, well, we had the CD in the restaurant and or in the cafe. Yeah. It's called Small Talk Cafe. It was a gay cafe. Wow. And we we danced around it to it, drunk as. I well. wish I went, I'd have been there. You yeah, know. It was great. I can fun. picture. I can picture it. So wow. uh, yeah. So so who did you look up to? We were looking up to you at the time. Wow. And, yeah. Well, really, I suppose, even though it wasn't said outright, certainly we the rumours about George Michael were were around, they were prevalent. So somebody like him I looked up to, but again, there was no info. You'd never get any photograph. I, I ended up meeting eventually, but boy George. But again, none of these men had boyfriends. They didn't have a gay life. They just yeah. had gay suspicion. They just, you know, it was never just a very straightforward, there's your man and his boyfriend. And then I remember, you know, there was always sort of a sadness about it, you know, in the sense that, say, Rock Hudson then died of AIDS and these great kind of, you know, powerful, beautiful men who were supposed to be, you know, studs and all the rest of that. And it turns out that they were actually into men. Um, So I didn't, I wouldn't say there was one person other than, like I say, Boy George was somebody that really, you couldn't get away from him. I mean, in the 80s, even through to the 90s, even through the heroin period, all of that stuff, you could not take your eyes off him. Can you remember the first time you walked into a gay bar? Oh, acutely. Really? Uh, Really acutely. I'd heard about this place. I was 17 in Belfast, West Belfast. Now, let me tell you something. To walk from my house on the Falls Road into the city centre, oftentimes you had to stand at a turnstile to get through the turnstile to get in. It was only in West Belfast that happened. Of course. And we were, you know, uh, interrogated by the police. Where are you going? What time are you coming back at? All that. So I'm going to a gay bar. Uh, well, you can imagine. <laughs> so late at night, it was a bit easier to do that. But then you take, in, you take your life in your hands because there were mod and skinhead gangs in the city centre fighting. It was a battleground. And then I'd heard about this place by St. Anne's Cathedral. And I stood outside it for ages. It was raining. It was freezing. I was 17. Can you imagine what I looked like standing there? Gorgeous. And this lovely woman kind of took pity on me, a really nice woman. And um, she said, do you, do you want to come in? I went, yeah, I'd love to. So she brought me in as pretending to be her boyfriend. And we had a little snog and everything. Like you had to pretend you were straight. Oh. And then finally, finally, finally. You had a snog with her. I did. I snog with her. I remember that acutely. Crazy. Not Not a serious snog, but just she a She was your beard. Of, <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of nearly, but because I suppose I was... Even in a gay club, you know, you, you weren't still, relaxed yet. Not at all. No. Not, and that's, I mean, I'm not even that relaxed these days. Yeah, I wonder, like, yeah. has there been a turning point in your life where you went, oh, okay, I'm a gay man now and I'll mm. do what I want. And if I have a boyfriend, I'll walk up the street holding yeah. his hand. I would love to do that. And do you think that maybe your generation, which you're still young, but like... Well, I'm 55 and yeah. and, and that, and I certainly don't feel old, but at the same time, it is significant, uh, somebody from my generation. And as we saw very recently, that incredible documentary that Bill Hughes made about Vincent Hanley, about just how, you know, dangerous it was to be gay in any sense yeah. of the word. And literally life-threatening, not only from a physical walking around the streets point of view, and then the the first pandemic I ever heard of, which was HIV and all of that. So I was acutely aware of all of these things. Um, so I then moved to London when I was 18, you know, uh, very quickly. And so my gay life... 
again was underground, but it was underground in London, guess, which was yeah. a, another major yeah. city. And back in the day before Gaydar or Grindr or any of those yeah. things, the way to meet a man was either on a sex line on the phone where you would just go, oh, hi, my name's Paddy, I'm 22, I'm 5'11". You know, you know what to say That's about yourself. Your name is Brian. <laughs> but, well, you know, my name is actually, my name is also Patrick. Oh, is My it? name is Brian Edward Patrick. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, the first time I ever went into a gay bar yeah. was with my friend Frank and it was illegal and it was in the George and it was upstairs in the yeah. little part they yeah. had. And while I was there, it was my first time in a gay bar. He was my f new friend after moving to Dublin. He told me he was HIV. Yeah. And we both yeah. burst out crying. Yeah. And... He was both illegal to be in the bar because yeah. he was a gay man. He had discovered he had HIV. Thing. How old was he? He was, I'd say, at the time, 24, oh, he must have been so scared. Five. Yeah, he was so scared. Um, I was scared. He was scared. He says, oh, don't touch that. And he was yeah. like taking cups away from me that yeah. I wouldn't drink yeah, out of Yeah, because the information cups. was very confusing We had no idea. So we had to sift through all the information ourselves. And for me... That was my moment where I went, this is all wrong. Yeah. I have to support my friends that yeah. I meet along the way now. And I have to support them in a very quiet, gentle, feminine, human, but that was huge way. to do that. I mean, how did you get so smart about that so quickly? Or was that just instinctive in you because you're a mum? To be honest, I didn't see uh, gay men fighting or roaring or shouting or right. saying I'm disgusted with this. Yeah. I saw the progression and I just mm. tried, I suppose, to push it forward as much yeah. as I can by just standing strong with uh -huh. my friends and uh, to be honest they stood f strong with me a lot of times as well because it's hard to be a single woman sometimes you know so yeah. it's a it's a do you think that's why like a gay man like me and a straight woman like you do you think that's one of the reasons we get along so well Absolutely. because we have a kind of minority you know uh take on the world as well I mean certainly um, if you look at it still, to this day, women are still being paid less than men. Yeah. Uh, all of those kinds of things yeah. that we know about. That, that, that oh, it's still unbelievable a man's world. It's yeah. still a straight, white, yeah. middle-aged, yeah, suited right. man's world. Well, all we have to do is and look I'm at the news. That, uh, uh, me too. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you, sister. I'm looking at the news. I'm so sick of looking at these corporate-looking yeah. bullies I'm so every single day. I'm sick of watching now Putin going in, you know, yeah. to... It's terrifying. Ukraine and all that. It's terrifying what the, the power that they're allowed to have. Well, as we always say, the only difference between men and boys is the size of their toys. It's what we always say. Oh, well, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> that's around the world in 80 lays. <laughs> the follow-up show. Oh, exactly. yeah. Well, then I could tell some tales on you. He's very good oh, on Grindr. so good I. He has shares you know, I have, in it. I haven't been on Grindr for a long time. I kind of gave all that stuff up because... It, it, you're on a kind of an endless cycle of, of basically more or less the same people or very, very, very scared, closeted people who then, you know, it's not, yeah. a, it's not a nice experience to meet well, someone like that. That's kind of dating in a way, isn't it? If you have the same people It can away. be. I know, I know a few couples who met on Grindr and yeah. are happily together. Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. Well, most people uh, meet, even in the heterosexual world, yeah. meet on dating apps now. That's right. I don't know. Um, it's been a great uh, meeting of minds, myself and yourself. And we yeah. have great fun. And we I seem to often have really intense friendships with women yeah. in my life. And given that I grew up with such intense women around me, my mother, my grandmother, my aunties, you know, I had yeah. a squad of aunties who were just a powerhouse, you know, yeah. negatively and positively. I mean, it wasn't all negative, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think there's part of me that still really, really reveres women in that way because I saw them at their lowest and I saw how, you know, the incredible survivors that women are. Yeah, and you're well able to have an argument with them. Oh, well. sure. You can go, even yeah. we were in Yamamori the other day. We were? I was 
like, meh, meh, meh. I was a little bit hormonal. Well, and we and were both having that. A, well, we were, of course. And also <laughs> so all the women. I argument with you. All the women in my world all use the word cunt. Every one oh, of them. Oh, well, I don't actually. I know. And there are yeah. people out there who are outraged by that. Yeah. But I'm telling you now, every woman I spent time with in my childhood, including my grannies, yeah. use that word. And, oh. and now that most of the women friends that are closest to me now, Anne and Mary and those people, use that word all the time. God, I haven't heard them. Girls, I'm on your side. I've really? never heard you say that. <laughs> Did you ever in your life wish you weren't gay? Yes. Oh. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Because it wasn't a good thing to be where I came from. I wished it. I begged God to to change me often. Yeah. on my, You know, because back in the day, we had to get on our knees and ask for forgiveness. And it was a very, very, very Catholic environment I grew up in. Yeah. And like I say, I had a very violent childhood in the house as well as outside of the house. And uh, my, unfortunately, um, without going into too much detail, because it's so funny that you think of me as so masculine now that I was actually pretty feminine as a little boy. And I really uh, copied a lot of what my sister was doing. And the, and the Because basically girls were much better crack. Their games were more complicated. So I started using words like dear. I would call people dear a lot. And then unfortunately, dear. a family member would beat me on the mouth every time I used that word and, and bloodied my lips every single time I used that word. So literally those the femininity was wow. beaten out of me. The power of that. Yeah. How a word dear. Yeah. Yeah. And very... it's such an affectionate word. But I remember my parents having this very heated discussion. I was in trouble at school all the time, just for being a fruit, as we say. And then, like I say, that family member said to me, every time I hear you use that word, I'm going to beat you on the mouth. And that's what they did. Ryan, I have to say, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. I really yeah, I'm it. sorry too. It actually breaks my heart. Because it destroyed the relationship in, in the end. Yeah, yeah, that is... Hard to forgive somebody that impossible yeah even if you even if you could yeah you, you can't it's hard you know yeah. and so so I begged not to be gay in those environments and at that time to this thing called God and the holy pictures Whatever and I was. used to go into chapel and go into confession I used to go into the church on my own when it was raining and please please don't make me gay I don't want to be gay. I don't want to be this thing uh, I would really beg a lot for that to happen and it's just because it was I mean imagine of all places going in there but honestly it's so interesting that now what was actually the saving of me was my mouth my language my yes, voice, your voice the thing that they very, they really tried to beat out of me was and do you think that that's what's given you your major power to be yourself your authentic self is your because you came out in mm. What what year did you come? Well, out? I suppose I like, came out a few times, if if that makes sense, in the yeah. sense that I came out. I remember there was a there no, was music wise. Yeah, so in my twenties, my middle twenties, uh, we heard a rumor that the tabloids were going to do a story about me yeah. around the se second album, I'd say. And so then I took advice about it, and uh, and the advice was, look, certainly let the people that really need to know know if that yeah. is the truth, if that's your truth. I certainly felt bisexual for a long time because I really didn't want to leave the company of women in that way. I was still snogging women here and there and not really having much sex with women, though. I don't want to talk about them women. <laughs> <laughs> so I really kind of was comfortable-ish. Yeah. But for me, bisexuality, for me, now I'm only speaking about me, was really a stepping stone and a, and a, and a holding pattern but for me. But you're one of the artists uh, coming from that kind of 90s uh, time that came out. Yeah. Like you were really, really oh, brave. Oh, I did. I did come but out. You'd, um, I remember sitting, I thought my dad would be the hardest. Even George Michael wasn't out. No, he, no. and I don't think he, he so didn't come out for a long time. Tell dad, sorry. Over well, no, that's okay. I remember having, I flew back to Belfast. Uh, I was living in London at this time and I, t I thought my dad would be the hardest so I took him out first pretending I wanted to buy running shoes because he was a marathon coach, marathon yeah. runner. And it was one of the only ways I could get his attention if I said something about running. So light loafers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we went out for, for we didn't buy runners in the end, and then we sat around a wee table in a public place in, in Belfast. And I said, look, in the future, um, if I have a partner, it'll most likely be a man. 
That's what I said. Oh, really? That's and how I came out. What did he say? Nothing. He didn't Nothing. say anything. And then eventually he just said, oh, mm, I thought, I, okay, I, th- I thought that might be the case. And then we never spoke about it again. Wow. That was it. Then when I told my mother, she pretended it was fine and dandy. And then when I left Belfast to go back to London, the shit hit the fan. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that another episode? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it happened. Okay, Catherine Lynch, tell me what your gay anthem is. My gay anthem. Oh, my God. I actually didn't think of a gay anthem. I would say it's um, um, I'm Every Woman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good one. By who? By... Chuck Khan or, or, or Whitney? Whitney. Yeah. Yeah. Whitney was my girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. she was the girl. I suppose my gay icon now yeah. would be Lady Gaga. I think oh, Lady wow. Gaga hits all the notes. Like when you think of it, she has incorporated all the themes of acceptance and self-love and sexuality. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and she's pop, you know, like, yeah. so I love to, keeping up with the times, it's Lady yes. Gaga. Yes. And all her tunes are fantastic. Yes. The strength in the woman. She's you know, great. like she goes to, you know, to her gigs and she thinks outside the stage, she has, you know, the the bus outside for the kids to go in and tell their story. Amazing, isn't that? It's, you know, Be yeah. Strong bus or it's like Born Brave bus is yeah. the name of it. So yeah, so I love, love, love Lady Gaga. I don't know what my anthem would be. There's so many. I mean, recently I did a show where I was kind of beleaguered by YMCA. Oh, I love YMCA, <laughs> yeah. my God. I kind of love that one, The Village but People. But that's the anthem of anthems. That's the anthem of anthems, isn't it? Yeah, so I probably would choose that one for the crack because when it comes on, who doesn't know that one? Why I, am I gay? <laughs> why am I oh, gay? Oh, I think we know why. Young man, <laughs> take your hand off me. <laughs> and my icon, getting back to the script. It's me. <laughs> My gay icon, that's a really good one. These days, I would say respectfully, probably George Michael because of what we know about him now. But really also further back than that, I would say, you know, Judy Garland, something uh, like that. Yeah. Just in terms of the singing. My favorite movie in the world is, is you know, guess what it is? The Wizard of Oz, the of Wizard course. Of Oz, yeah. when, when life really can stop being black and white and change into color. I mean, I love the notion of that. Yeah, I think that's why, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, this uh, transformation. Yeah. It's it's the beauty of you the know. possibilities, you know. Yeah. So tell me also, do you can you have a what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? My mother always says to me, "Keep going, Kate, till you hear the crunch." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually do that, and it's like it kind of. Oh, I'm a terrible thinker. You know, I yeah. overthink everything. That's so, good advice, though. Yeah. So that's yeah. good advice for an overthinker. I seem to going, just follow my own advice, and that would be get on with your short life. That yeah, would be my exactly. advice to myself. And sure. uh, that's from your album. You can get it on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Such a <And> plugger. <laughs> All right, one more question. Brian Kennedy, okay, my dear, 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 dear friend. Let's go for a glass of wine after this. Um, <laughs> what would you save out of your beautiful house I lived in if it was on fire? I mean, immediately I can see two of my precious guitars on the wall. I would grab both of them, put them under my arms and run hell for leather out the front door. No question. And you, what would you say? Well, I wouldn't have time because I'd be putting my makeup on <laughs> and trying to put extensions on and a hat because I might be having a bad hair day. And I'd and burnt to a crisp, ladies <laughs> exactly. and gentlemen. <laughs> so what would be the point of that? Well, I'd look good. <laughs> God, she was a lovely corpse. <laughs> I could have talked to them all day, Brian. They were brilliant. <laughs> now, when you say they, you mean the pronoun? No, you mean us. No, we. I mean they, okay, gotcha. they, them, us. It's not confusing at all. <laughs> they were very powerful guests, especially him. What a voice, huh? Ah, <laughs> Jesus, you'd eat yourself, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Personally, I actually thought she was incredible. Did you? 
a voice like spun silk. Yeah, more like recycled polyester, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the cheek of you, I'm telling you one thing for nothing. <laughs> anyway, thanks to you all for listening and joining us on another trip around the world in 80 Gays. And please, if you can, make sure you follow us on all our socials for the latest updates. If you enjoyed our chat and whatever else we were doing today, goodness me, please rate and review whenever you listen and Be- wherever you listen. Before we leave you each week, we like to end with an inspirational quote from an LGBTQI plus legend. And this week, it's another zinger from Oscar Wilde. Okay, you ready, people? Here mm-hmm. we go. Some people are adored wherever they go, whereas other people are adored whenever they go. <laughs> okay, see ya. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Slan. And on that note, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.